Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. The fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. Hello, language facilitators. It's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com back with another video for you. Today, we're going to be talking about a very common situation that happens super frequently. I mean, a lot. I would say more than 80%, and that's probably low as my guesstimation for the clients that I see. And it is this problem. It is when the kids seem to be taking over. They have turned into the boss of your experience, of your household, if you're the parent of your daycare, if you're the caregiver of your play date maybe if you are uh you know an auntie or a helper or someone like that it is a thing that happens and as a language facilitation expert and someone who is in the business of equipping and empowering parents to facilitate the spoken language your child needs i thought it was super important to do this video for you so that's what we're going to be talking about today and um yeah let's just dig in because there's a lot to do and in fact I'm switching things up a little bit this week, and we're going to be starting the episode with Q&A because it is, of course, always the Q&A that I get from all of you who are helping me. So every video I do, you could consider like a Q&A. I'm providing answers to the questions that most people receive. So if you have questions about your child, this is a good video for you to post them on. And we'll see if we can get to as many questions as possible. But I have some questions that I want to get started with. Okay, so let's dig in. Let's get started with Q&A. This was a really cool one that um, I got from parents who are looking at my channel. Now, I'm just going to be upfront with you. I am no longer operating within the system. Even though I was trained to be a speech language pathologist, speech therapist, I worked in schools, hospitals, um, private universe, private things and um, public places, all different kinds, just about every environment you could have over 30 years as a speech pathologist in the system. And I left, you'll find out in this, if it isn't fun book, why I left, because I know that these systems are full of lingo and jargon and um, ego, actually. There's a lot of professionals that want to take this job away from you and turn you into their helper, the therapist helper. So you're doing extra therapy kinds of activities after your child is out of those sessions. And so if you're being a therapist all the time or you don't want to be a therapist all the time, maybe your child's in a lot of therapy. They could be, I just met a mom this week who has an 18-month-old that was recommended for 20 hours of ABA therapy. Maybe your child spends so much time away from you or you spend so much time away from your child that this kind of connection time has been taken over by events, 
or gifts or things that aren't helping you make progress moving forward. So it's really important that you listen to your own guidance. That's what I had to do. And this is why I am outside of the system using lingo like virtual autism and boss baby as a way to identify what's going on with your child so that you can do what's necessary to help them move out of those mindsets. Because these are choices. Your children choose to behave this way because it is all they know, it's what they learn from observing people, and they don't know better. That's why children become boss babies. But we've got to get into a few of the questions because what happens is parents get confused. You start to listen to me and you see someone who's not in the system using strategies like where I give the job back to you, where it's not about which toys you pick, which diet you give, which supplements, which therapy methods you use, none of that. This is about natural connection and facilitation. What parents have been doing, grandparents, aunties, it takes a village to raise a child, all of that stuff used to happen to empower kids to grow up and be big kids and into adulthood and not keeping them in structured, rigid, controlling environments where their progress is totally dependent on whatever the facilitator is asking them to do instead of what they want to do to grow up and be big kids. And these kids want to grow up and be big kids. That's why they take back this control. They don't want to be controlled and programmed 20 to 40 hours a week into doing what other people want them to do. Nobody wants that. In fact, we like jobs that keep us more autonomous. All right, but I digress. We've got to get to these Q&As because I have a lot to cover with you. The first one is here from the virtual autism video where Natalie is asking about her pediatrician wants her son to do an EEG test. Is that really necessary now that I'm convinced he has virtual autism? So this is one of those times when I have to throw out my disclaimer and say, I am not a doctor, I'm not a neurologist, and I don't have, neither do you, insight into what's going on in your child's head. So whenever you have those kinds of things, this is what the doctor's thinking. I don't know what's going on in this kid's head. I can't figure out what's going on with their behavior, but we can do these tests to see if there's blood flow going there or if there's activity in the brain or all those things to see what's wrong. Remember, most of these tests are designed to find what's wrong so that you can put some remedy on top of that wrong thing. Now, the wrong thing is this doctor, this whoever recommended, this pediatrician recommended this EEG test doesn't understand that it doesn't matter what you find wrong in the child's brain. What will you do to facilitate the improvement is you work with the abilities your child has now. So it doesn't matter what kind of diagnosis, even if they do have low flow activity to a certain area of their brain or this or that or this or that. The natural facilitation that I'm going to guide you with and that I do in all of my resources bypasses all of the need. There is no need to find out what's wrong with your child. You know what you're struggling with every day. You don't need to do that, but you do need to think about why it's happening. And that's what we're going to talk about here. So bottom line, 
Do you, do I think, you know, is it necessary that you're convinced he has virtual autism? My recommendation for you is to wait and try some new things that you have. And if you see significant improvement yourself, then bypass the test. If you don't see significant improvement using language facilitation for six months, maybe, I'm telling you, give it that long. In six months, if you see a different child due to the activity that you change, how you change, you have to do different things. You can't just do the same thing for six more months. You have to make changes. And if you make changes for six months and you see digression or lower things, even when you are doing the work, that's when you go for these kinds of exams. Otherwise, there is no need, no need for it. Okay, so now we're going to move into another question. And this is one I just got last night because this is super common. And I want a lot of people to see if you are in this mindset as a mama, this video is going to be very good for you. And this came from Srinavas. And it says, my son is two years, nine months old, up to one year, six months. He was fine. He gave eye contact, playing well, spelling even some words, right? And this is at 18 months, this child was already starting to show. However, he also spent a lot of time on screens and now his eye contact is poor. The screen time probably increased as this smart 18 month old tried to learn how to use the screen. And he got so good at using the screen because he's super smart. Spelling words at 18 months is super smart. And he started to use these screens with the same level of intelligence that he was using with the other things he was doing. And he found that he had better access or easier access to the information he wanted. And so he forgot all about the words he said before. Now they don't know about all this ADHD and virtual autism. They don't know what's going on with the child. The child is struggling, unable to express himself. He's already two and a half, almost three years old. He was a 2020 born baby, meaning during the pandemic, what do I do? This parent is worried. She wants him normal as a normal child. When whatever normal is, meaning she wants him back to this smart 18-month-old little guy who was learning new things and working every day. So we're going to get into that. And we're going to talk about how that happens today with the video that I have for you. And I just want to welcome all my new channel members. For those of you who have just joined me, thank you so much for joining. Now we're going to get into these signs. So how this video is going to move forward is first, I'm going to give you the five signs that your child is the boss. He's turned into a boss baby mindset and that's where you are right now. This is your child's mindset that you are going to facilitate change. And that's what the second half of the video is going to be. Five strategies that are necessary. Changes you will have to make in your experience of parenting or caregiving to help your child make the shift out of this mindset. All right, let's get into it. Here we go. Five signs your child is the boss. Now, of course, I have virtual autism here because this is primarily the case with virtual autism. So let's find out. Do you have a boss baby on your hands? Boss babies develop out of habits that are either consciously or unconsciously encouraged. You taught these kids how to be the boss. 
just having access to get everything I need, make a big mess, bang, 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 smash things around, tear things up, make a mess and leave it behind, right? That comes from a child who's not being guided through an experience because that's not how you play. That's not how you work. You know how to do this better because this is what often happens with kids who are late talking. Parents just naturally separate them so that they're left to their own devices. Now think about it. Every time a child is by themselves with their materials, they have a choice of how they want to play the right way, the way that they've been taught before, or they can test limits and push it and try new things and do all kinds of whatever they come up with in their mind, like this little kiddo was doing. So you see here, when the child is responsible for their own experience, they will make it the way they want. So why do so many kids, late talking kids, develop a mindset? And that's because parents forget to empower their kids to be an active participant in their own development. Maybe you were told by someone else to give up this development to therapists or ABA or the babysitter, or maybe you got too busy working or something happened that made you forget your role as the empowerer and you turned into something else. You turned into a maid or a teacher or somebody else. So the main thing right now that we've made this choice is how can parents facilitate the shift from boss as these kids are starting to grow up? And remember that parents are the only ones that can facilitate change in the child's mindset because you're the ones that motivated and encouraged this current boss baby situation that the child had. So this is our goal for this video, the strategies in this video. You're going to be shifting your child's mindset from boss supervisor where I don't do the work, you do the work, bosses, you do my way on the highway where, you know, where I'm out of here, give me what I want right now, or else you see the behavior. Supervisor is you do it instead of me, like I'm just going to watch while you get me dressed and you fix the food and you clean up the toys, I'm going to make the mess and watch you clean it up. Dictator is you're not doing it the right way, they could be yelling at you or forcing you or biting you or getting aggressive with you or royalty. They just expect things to be delivered to them. Okay. And then what you want to shift these into is from boss to student, right? And you're empowering this kid to be a playmate instead of a supervisor. They join in the work, which is their play, which is their work. Instead of a dictator, they're a helper in the things that have to get done. The things are still getting done, but they are joining in the effort. And instead of royalty, they're your friend or partner or buddy. Again, teammate. This is what we're doing, and parents are the only ones that can facilitate this. All right, these are the five signs. They're simple signs that your child has developed into what I am calling this boss baby mindset. And the reason I call it boss baby is because it is keeping your child in infancy, toddlerhood, even if your child could be older than 10 years old. You're still seeing boss baby kind of behaviors or attitudes or, you know, requests and things like that. Because remember, 
This is how little children who don't have a very good grasp on language, that's how they communicate. And your child is stuck in a lower level of mindset and communication developmentally. Remember, these kids are just developmentally delayed and they need you as their parent or caregiver to facilitate their improvement, okay? So here are those signs. Again, number one, the child is entitled to control their parents. You feel like, all right, it's how he wants. It's the only way he can have it. Even if you want to do it another way, this child feels entitled. They ask you to change. They ask you to give them the food out of your mouth, off of your plate, that you go hungry or cold or you know, without sleep because you are in helping your child get theirs. Okay. That's what I mean by entitlement. And these kids have no qualms about asking you to give up your happiness, freedom, comfort, all of that for them. And you do it because that's uh, the only way that they would be entitled is because you do it. They ask and you give, they ask and you give, you never say no. And indifferent. So number two is if they are indifferent about other people's feelings. It doesn't matter if they, um, if that person's crying or if they make them mad or if they don't get to eat their food, right? I'm hungry. I'm, I'm eating my food. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. I'm entertained. I'm not bored. You don't care if anybody else is feeling any of those things. You just want you yourself to not be feeling those things. So the child is indifferent about other people's feelings. So you see them do things that would be otherwise rude, right? Now, they refuse to try anything new, even if it's better, because it's not their idea, right? Remember, that's the high, the reason that kids get into a boss baby is because whatever is new is not their idea and you are not as smart or at least about what they want as they are. And this is their mindset. So never mind, you're not as smart as me. You don't know what I want. You don't know how to make things better. So they just refuse everything because they are in the mindset what they know is best, the emperor, right? And then the oppositional. Not only do they not want to do what you want, but then they start to act out against you. They start, somebody told me last week that their kid flipped the cereal bowl, just threw it across the room. And these are things that, you know, because the parents said, here's your breakfast, eat your breakfast, and it wasn't a connected thing, the child picked that moment to shout out their, their position. Here's my position. You can't tell me what to do, right? That's the oppositional child. That's what they're saying through their behavior. Every single request. It could be come over here and get some ice cream and they pitch a fit and make you take the ice cream to them. It could be the best thing they need and they refuse or they oppose. And then here's the other thing. They maybe manipulate you after you said no. Even they might work one against the other, but they might even manipulate you. They don't accept no for an answer, right? Now, these are the signs, everybody. If your child is manipulating you, if they're sneaking behind your back, if they're oppositional, if they refuse, and this happens at 18 months old, and it happens all the way up through 18 to 20 month, years old, right? Because remember, we're calling it a boss baby mindset because it is keeping your child in lower. It's keeping their social skills immature, their communication lower 
because nobody is empowering this child. They have to empower themselves. Or in fact, they feel like they have to fight against other people who are trying to control them. That's the only reason that you see these really convinced. So put comment right now on a scale of one to five, how many of these characteristics, I'll show you really quick, does your child show your boss baby? Because it could be that they do one or more of these signs and that that's how you know you have a boss baby on your hand. Now, let's explain why these things happen because even through the explanation of what happened to cause this, you're going to see improvement. Now, why do some kids become entitled to control their parents and caregivers? Number one, parents fail to draw boundaries about what a child is allowed to do or have. And they're testing those boundaries 24 seven. They'll do it daily. They'll test them more rigorously. They will keep going to do it. Number two, parents have the habit of giving the child everything they ask for. Like I said, you never say no because your child's not listening to you when you say no anyway. So you just give them or you give it to them because you want to avoid the consequential behaviors they get when they don't, they give when they don't get what they want. Number three, the child has often received what they want without asking. So maybe they're not even asking and food arrives, treats arrive, fun arrives, connection arrives, attention arrives. Parents feed kids while they're watching other things watching videos do all that stuff they just they're not even asking they're just being cared for like uh, an animal right who doesn't have to ask number they put on somebody somebody put them on a schedule number four parents are not coordinating so the child plays one off the other we talked about that because a child will say well if dad will give it to me i'll just keep asking dad that's entitled to control mom is controlling i'm not even going to go there that's a closed door for me they're going to go to the open door and so because that's because parents aren't coordinating they're not backing each other up or they're not backing up the therapists. Like the therapist could be, look, you could have this going on where you have therapists or nannies or caregivers or grandmas or somebody else who's reminding you, look, when you keep giving your child everything they want, when you don't make them try to ask, when you're like using your intuition more than your listening and analysis skills because you're too busy to connect with your child, somebody could be reminding you that you're doing these things and you're ignoring them. You're ignoring them even because you're in these habits. You see, it's habits. So the parents have allowed or even encouraged the child to take things without asking. This is another one. This is a really big one. This number five. Then kids with entitlement, especially older kids, kids who are older, we're talking right now, kids that are older than four or five. These kids learn where the stuff gets locked up. They learn when you go to a restaurant, the food is in the back room. They learn that when you go to the, you know, the bakery or whatever, everything's behind the counter or the place where you can touch the animals is around the back. And they don't look, you know, remember, they're not responding to boundaries or guidance. They just go and take either the experience or the actual tangible item. They just go there because they feel entitled, right? Remember, this is why do kids feel entitled to do this? And I observe this happening when kids do push those boundaries and parents don't respond. Um, for example, when I 
time at the beach watching the shorebirds and parents allow their kids to run in to the birds. They don't stop them from doing it because they feel like they can't. It's an open beach. I can't stop my child from running. Well, you can if you educate them about that. But remember, parents don't educate and guide their late talking kids because they don't believe they can understand those instructions. This happens very often that your kids turn into cheaters and stealers because they have tested those boundaries and won. They got to keep that thing. You're like, oh, look how we went in the back room and just took that donut without anybody knowing. And the child's sitting there happily eating the donut. And you're laughing about the experience and how fun and cute and cheeky your child was. But they stole something. They took something without asking. And you think it's a funny joke. Your child, remember, all these kids have far more understanding and intelligence than they can express. And if you're not encouraging your child to listen and follow the rules every day, you're going to get this entitlement behavior, okay? So why do some kids become entitled to control their parents and caregivers? Because parents are in these habits, okay? Now, here's the second one. Why do some kids seem indifferent about other people's feelings? This is a number one red flag for kids to be diagnosed with autism because that's one of those characteristics is that kids are so self-absorbed that they're not paying attention to anybody else. But in fact, this also comes from parents who have enabled a boss baby mindset. And we'll talk about what happens. Parents have substituted connection time with screen time. So again, just like that first um, Q&A I did today, the second one where the mom is so worried because her child was doing development and then she gave screen time and is wondering why her child is preferring screens to people. Well, because you facilitated that. You decreased, you substituted connection time with screen time. And it doesn't matter if you did it in the past for a period of time. It taught your child the habit that you are interested in connecting with them. You're more interested in having them quietly watch their phone. That's why you gave it to them. Number two, parents are so focused on their own worries and problems that they prioritize their time problem solving, which therapy does my child need, which diet does my child need, which therapy, you know, um, it, what do I, how do I going to pay for this? Where is it? Does insurance cover it? Is it in the program? How will I afford it? What if I have to work? What about the time? They spend their time worrying about all that stuff while the child is by themselves with a the phone. Okay. Cause you're spending time on your internet and on your phone problem solving and trying to get answers to all these questions that you're speculating about. Why is this happening and what is it? There you go. Number three, parents try to compensate for their own feeling of guilt with gifts. This happens a lot with the parent who's not home. If you're out working, maybe every day you bring home a new treat. Uh, you're the one who's maybe had to work away from home, even if you stay and work away, like you've had to travel to another city or another country, or you've been separated because mom went home to live with, stay with mom while you're living in another country. These kinds of things happen that because they haven't had the ability to have connection and they're still thinking about the child all the time at home, they're all, every time they go to the store, every time they go somewhere, they're like, oh, my child would like this. I want to get this for my child. And you're substituting the 
potential Zoom call or phone call you could make home with that child with the gifts that you're going to buy. So when you show up, you're all about giving your child these gifts and not your time. And it turns into for your child, they just become excited about these gifts. And the only thing that's fun about you is that you bring new things every day. That could be what's happening, right? Now, and that's because you feel guilty because you're not connecting with your child and you're just compensating. So we're going to talk about what you can do instead. Number four, parents are triggered by their own child's communication behavior. So they just shut it down. Right. I don't want it to happen. I'm just going to give you the thing. I don't want to hear you cry. I need you to be quiet. You're embarrassing me. They just shut it down by giving the child everything they want. And number five, parents are so focused on making their child improve because they're so worried like that first mom, so worried wanting their child to be normal, 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 like a normal child, right? Whatever that is. And you're so worried about making your child feel normal that you ignore the signs that the methods you're using are frustrating. Because this mom even said her child is so frustrated he can't express himself because what you're doing isn't working, mama. It's not working. You need to change what you are doing so that your child sees that you are focused on their abilities and not just finding out what they're doing wrong all the time. Okay, let's move into number three here. Why do some kids refuse to try anything new, even if it is better for their experience, something they like, something that you're just trying to expand their world and teach them something, but they're like, nope, I wanna stay in my comfort zone where I am. And that's because could be from one of these five things. Number one, parents have kept their experience, the child's diet, the child's schedule, what they eat during that diet. Like you have to eat what I want, when I want. Um, we always do cleaning up this way. We, everything's on structure and control. That means also that as you go through these things, you're manhandling your child, you're touching them, you're hand over handing their experience. You know they can't do it by themselves, so you do it for them, literally puppeting them. That's controlled and structured. You should be, we'll talk about what you're gonna do, but you should be allowing your child to trial and error. That's how kids learn. If you keep them perfect 24 seven, they're gonna resent you and start to detract, just you know, go away from you and ignore you. Number two, maybe the parents have limited the child exposure to taking risks, getting dirty, going outside, or meeting new people. You couldn't go out during COVID, so it wasn't in your habit of your early parenting experience. So you just are used to staying in the house. And you can, you know, complain, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too this, it's too that. My child will run away, all those things. Well, if you limit the child's exposure to these things, they will continue to refuse to try. You're keeping them stuck in their comfort zone. And the number three here is the child has limited exposure to unstructured play where they can observe other children. This is how kids learn. They learn when somebody took something away from them and they didn't want that experience. So they don't take things away from other kids, right? They learn when they fall down, that they can't run. They have to watch where they're going. If they run into the glass door, you know, all those things that happen 
as kids are going in life, that's how you're going to be teaching them moving forward. So they need to watch other kids and see other kids. Whoa, he was that he was really scared on that slide. I'm not sure I want to go or oh, he made that so easy. That's got, I'm, no brainer. I'll go do that. Right. So number four, the child has limited exposure to the same things. It's it. They're limited. They only have the same things they already know. If you only give them the phone without showing them what to watch, the algorithm will do this. They'll just keep them right in the same videos with the same kind of content and the same kind of stuff that they already know. And they're not expanding because they're getting more comfortable in their comfort zone with their current knowledge. And number five, parents are expecting better performance without teaching. This happens a lot where you might buy a new toy at the store that you think is super cool, a farm with all the animals or a shape sorter or something like that. And you're like, this is going to be great. And you unpack it and you give it to your child and they just start chucking the stuff. They don't want to play with it. They're, that's all they know. Well, that's because your child doesn't know how to play with that toy. And they need more than just, here you go. They need demonstration. They need someone to show them why this thing is so cool. All the things you were thinking about when you bought it at the store. Oh, he's going to love this because it has his favorite animals. He's going to love it because it makes noise. He's going to love it because it moves by itself or it's a car or, you know, whatever. You know what your child likes. That's why you chose the toy. But if you just say, here you go, and the child takes it and goes, they're just going to destroy it or, you know, whatever, because they don't know how to play properly. And this happens very often because parents don't think that their kids can tolerate even some tutorial with what they're doing. And so they refuse to keep going. And this turns them into, you know, isolated boss babies. Now, here's the next one. Why do some kids become oppositional and rebel against every request? These are those oppositional kids, the ones that flip the cereal bowl and throw the toys and scream at you and that kind of stuff. And this happens when parents are inconsistent in their expectations and demands. You yelled at them one time for jumping on the couch and when you left the room they went and jumped on the couch again just getting you to come in and yell at them right that's what's happening or you don't one time maybe you're sitting on the couch scrolling on your phone and the child's jumping all over the furniture and you say nothing but then the next and then you look up and you start yelling right? That's the kind of inconsistent expectations and demands without teaching ahead. Parents have not emphasized the importance of caring for, helping, and supporting others, including people, animals, and nature. And I would say even including their toys and things. Because if you're going to, if your child is going to throw things or tear stuff up or smash things or rip their books or chew on things, that's because they have no respect for taking care of those things. They don't understand the value of these objects. And that's because they haven't been taught by their parents. Okay. Now, the other thing, number three here is that parents do too many things for the child that they can easily learn. If your child is two or three or four or older, and they're not getting themselves dressed, if they're not potty training, at least on the way to it. So they're handling their own poo-poo. If they are, you know, not knowing how to ask for the things that they want so they can get help, they're just tantruming and waiting for people to show up. 
people that's because people are doing too many things for them and they just feel like all i have to do is behave in a certain way to trigger people to come and help me okay and number four is that parents get in the habit of chasing kids or manhandling them as the way to stop them from doing something wrong. Like I said, they're not teaching them, don't do this, or maybe they said it a million times, don't do this, the child's testing, and all they do is chase them down and scream at them and shake their hand, finger in the face and say, you did something I don't want you to do. You know, chasing them down, manhandling them, grabbing, if you are holding instead of your child's hand, if you have to grab their forearm, this is what's happening. Those times that you feel like you have to grab your child by the waist or the arm, that they won't just reach out and hold your hand to stay with you so you know they're safe because they aren't listening, right? They're oppositional. So you've got to chase them down or grab them. This is a sign that it's you that can change this behavior because it's you that's causing it. Nobody wants to be chased down or manhandled. You know, if that's the only kind of connection your child can get from you, that's what they'll trigger in you. Number five, parents become angry and punish the child who's testing the limits of their experience. Because remember, they need to test the limits of their experience. And parents have to understand that's what's going on. But if you don't, if you're detached from the child and you're just mad that they keep making messes or they keep flipping their bowl or they really are destroying everything you buy them and all of that stuff. And you just keep getting angrier and angrier and angrier, but you keep buying stuff for them to do. You're not correcting these things, right? When you become angry and punish the child without teaching, that's when they become oppositional, okay? Now we're gonna talk about the strategies and the things we have to do to get over these things, I promise you, but you have to realize what's going on. And here's one more that I need you to understand so that you can change these habits. Why do some kids manipulate parents into doing things even after you have said no? You don't want the child to have that soda. You don't want them to go outside. You're too exhausted to take them outside. It's too hot to go outside. You know, all those things. You said no for a reason where it just is not the right time to do that thing. But the kid will push and push and push and push until you're like, OK, again, your comfort, your everything is compromised for this child. And this is why it happens. Number one, parents force the outcome they want without any explanation or reason. That's the chasing, manhandling, you're gonna do things my way, that's how this is gonna go. Number two, parents are inconsistent with their acceptance of entitled behaviors. Okay, so let's talk about an entitled behavior could be something like your child sneaking into the fridge and getting their own soda, or hitting you when you say no. Those are the kinds of behaviors. If those are the first thing your child's like, yeah, nah, I heard you, but I'm going anyway. You know, these are not unconscious behaviors. These are conscious, directed communication at you saying, I don't accept your no, right? I don't accept your no. Just like when you your child says i want you to you know brush your teeth and they try to run out of the room and you grab them and drag them back in the bathroom and brush those teeth you didn't accept their no so now they are not accepting yours okay this is why this happens number two parents are inconsistent with their acceptance because if your child screams and yells at you one time you accept it and you say okay and the other time you don't number three 
Parents have been hiding or locking up things the child always wants instead of just reinforcing the fact that they can have it in the times that it's allowed. And when it's locked up, it's done. It's not available. Your child doesn't understand it's not available because you've been hiding and locking things up instead of drawing contracts about when is yes time. Child doesn't know when is yes time. They think it's always yes time when they decide it's yes time instead of when you decide. And parents try to distract the child away from what they want and ignore their requests. I know you want soda, but I have this nice water for you. Nobody wants water if they're craving soda and they're not going to accept it and they just think oh no no it's okay we'll just go over here you you know instead of buying them the ice cream and talking about why it's not time to have ice cream you just drag the child away from the store and try to go look at the animals to distract them away from it this is why kids manipulate you they understand that manipulation their craving didn't go away just because you distracted them they just quit fighting for that time and they'll come back and manipulate another time they'll try again because you will try again and so will they. Number five, parents complain about the child's behavior to other people. So that's what happens here. When parents complain about a child, they listen, they understand, they are hearing you when you're saying he won't stop this or he won't stop that. And guess what they'll do more of? Those things. Why? Because they know you're paying attention to those things. So we're gonna talk about the strategies. I know you're getting some ideas already turning about what we can do about these things. And that's what we're gonna be moving into next is out of these habits that cause your kid to be a mind, you know, have it. And what can you do? Your child's stuck in a boss baby mindset and every day is a challenge because of never ending power struggles, right? Okay, before we get into those next ones, please tap that like button and enable notifications. That really helps me on the channel, and I super appreciate that. Okay, so this is the next slide you're going to want a screenshot. I know everybody wants to know what are the strategies to facilitate the shift from boss to partner in your child's development, okay? The first thing is to earn a child's trust and respect. And I promise you, I got slides for all of these. I've got strategies to teach you all of them. But the first thing you need to do is earn their trust and respect for you and the rules. Number two, facilitate a child's development of empathy, right? Remember, these are the things they don't have right now. They're not in the habit of trusting, respecting, or being empathetic. They're also not motivated to try new things outside of their comfort zone. So I'm going to show you how to facilitate that motivation. And we're going to teach the concept of delayed gratification. We can't always get what we want. And what do we do when we can't always get what we want? Ah, that's going to be a really big one. And number five. I'm going to show you how to expect kids to assume responsibility for their actions, how to teach them and how to get there. And I'm going to show you what it takes to get to that level where you can expect that thing. Okay, so number one, how can parents earn a child's trust and respect? Number one, you teach them boundaries, the child, what they're allowed to do and have. 
And this is key. Even though you think your child is unable to understand, I just see here, hang on a second. I saw a comment of somebody saying that her three-year-old late talker doesn't understand simple sentences like put your shoes on, throw the ball, let's put your toys away. How can I help her understand so she doesn't get frustrated all of the time and that's a perfect kind of that's a perfect kind of experience for what we're talking about here okay so what happens with kids like that is that you have to teach them the boundaries of what they're allowed to do and have before you can expect them to do things. You have to pay attention to why they're requesting the items or activities, because they're hungry, because they're bored, because they want just want to connect with you, because they want to test to see if you'll even give it to them, because they've already asked for it five times, and they know they can only have it two times, and they're going to see if you can give it to them eight, nine, ten times. You already had your allotment of candy or cookies or soda or whatever, and the child wants to see how you're doing it why are they asking because they love that thing or because they want to connect with you or because they don't want to eat their other food pay attention to why this is how you earn their trust and so after you teach them boundaries and you show them what they're allowed to do and you see why they're requesting things outside of those boundaries you have to explain both the benefits and disadvantages of overindulgence right kids don't know better they will eat the whole box of cookies the whole bag of halloween candy the whole they'll be outside and work stay up all night out there at the party getting themselves too exhausted They'll forget to eat. They'll forget to drink water because all they care about is their current now in the moment experience. They're not thinking ahead of the consequences of their actions. And this is why they push it. And if you let them push it without these kind of boundaries, they will keep pushing it and they're going to get frustrated because they don't understand why you want them to do things because you're not engage through the experience okay the benefits and disadvantages of overindulgence when we eat too many of this but i love to eat all the cookies and i love the taste of it but then i get a tummy ache your child will understand just try it i promise you a lot of people don't give their kids this level of information about their experience because they don't believe they can understand like this other mom she doesn't even think her child can understand get your shoes but i promise you she can she's just stuck in boss baby mindset and refusing to do it and testing you right number four here is to negotiate you have to learn what they will accept as a substitute to their favorites and obsessions and then you work those things in as well it's just as good to spend time with mom as it is on your phone. How will your child know that? You show them. You have to demonstrate. Otherwise, they won't accept these negotiations. But you also have to give and you have to change moms and dads. Okay, number five stay consistent among all adults in the household i know this seems like a no-brainer but it is remarkable how many times i see parents sabotaging each other or parents sabotaging the therapist because they've been working them so hard and maybe what the therapist is doing you don't agree with then you have to stop that therapy 
because you're just in it out of guilt, putting your child in something because somebody told you to. If you do not agree with what's going on in therapy and you think it's triggering your child or exhausting them or making them frustrated, it, you got to stop that stuff. When you see that your child is frustrated because you're asking them to do something or say something and that's all that comes out of your mouth, come here, do this, eat this, chew it, take another bite, do it. And rarely do they hear, wow, that was an awesome bite you took. Uh, it makes me so happy that you're eating. And I'm so relieved. And you must be feeling so much better now that food is in your tummy and all that extra talking they're not getting. All they're getting is do this or say this because you don't believe that your child can understand all of those explanations. And I'm here to tell you, you are incorrect. And you're so incorrect that your child is manipulating you over it. They're trying to test you to see if you will talk to them more, if you will give them more, if you will share and teach and guide and support them through challenges. Because if you're not there to support them, they won't pick up the challenge, moms and dads. They're not going to grow and evolve out of their comfort zone. They're going to fight you to stay in it because they're afraid. They don't have guidance and support, so they won't try new things. Okay? You can't help them be afraid. These strategies right here, earning a child's trust first so they're not afraid of you. Then they respect you. But if they're afraid, you're going to manipulate, push, control, chase them down, grab their forearm, force them to eat, anything, force them to do anything. That is the opposite of this. So watch, teach boundaries, pay attention to why and talk about it. Explain things, negotiate. You have to give. It's not always your way. It's negotiation and kids can do it, okay? And this consistency among all adults is a major hurdle for kids to develop a cooperative mindset. You all have to work together. Okay, let's move into the next strategy. How can parents facilitate a child's development of empathy? Remember, this is that one red flag that, that is gonna get your child labeled with autism all the time. They don't care about anybody around them. They don't wanna listen, they don't wanna look, they don't make eye contact. They run out of the room when you try to teach them anything. That's these kids right here. And here are the strategies that you need if that is your experience. Number one, you have to check your own feelings for anger, fear, or judgment before you start talking to the child. Because if you will yell at them or punish them because you think what they are doing is wrong, remember what they're doing is wrong because you haven't taught them better. It's up to you to make sure your child knows what they are supposed to do. That's your job as the parents and caregiver, okay? And if you ignore what you that role to teach your child what they are supposed to do, to do things right, properly, politely, considerately, okay? Considering other people, the way we behave. If we're going to eat cake and there's five people, we're going to share all of that stuff, your child won't develop these, 
behaviors, these social, interactive, nice, cooperative behaviors unless you teach them, moms and dads. They won't. So you have to check your own feelings for anger, fear, and judgment before you start talking to your child and get rid of those things. They are not needed to help teach your child empathy. Because if you're angry and you're coming at them out of anger, fear, or judgment, it's going to break down. Your child's going to leave you. And they're not going to feel like you're being empathetic of their situation. Number two, you need to apologize. If you ignored your child or tried to manipulate them any time in the past, it's time to apologize. And tell them, talk about that story. Explain exactly what happened when you hid the coke you know, you, whatever you did, because you did, you do these, because that's how parents try to get out of this job of teaching their kids is they manipulate. Number three, you respond to how the child feels before you direct them. Okay. That's it. If they are upset, you respond to that. If they are excited, you respond to that. If they are impatient, if they are tired, if they are frustrated, if they are anxious, you respond to that before you give them anything to do or listen to, you respond. Number four, you talk about the child's feelings more often than you talk about their issues or your own concerns. So how often are you complaining about this child's current levels or lack thereof, the things that they're doing that you don't want them to do, or the things they're not doing that they want them to be doing? How often do you talk about that versus how they are feeling through their efforts to learn? How do you know how they're feeling? Are they feeling annoyed by you? Are they feeling excited by you? Can they not wait to see you again? Or do they only use you to get food and snacks and tablet time? Talk about their feelings more often than you talk about their issues. Even if they're feeling those things, you have to talk about those things. Once you talk about them, they come out in the world and you begin to discuss them and realize that they exist and that you don't want to continue any of those feelings, those issues or concerns. You want those things to stop. So we have to talk about those things because the communication behavior is just expressing those feelings and you just want the behavior to stop, okay? Number five, Explain what triggered you into unconscious activity. And I'm telling you, if you are watching this video, you are stuck in unconscious activity, at least some of the time, such as yelling or punishment. When your child is trying to communicate, I'm annoyed, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I don't want this flavor, you're asking me to do too much, I think it's too hard, I don't want to cooperate, I don't feel like it. If they're telling you all those things and you you and you um, ignore those communication behaviors or you yell and punish, that makes it worse. So that's how you do, you explain what triggered you. Oh, you scared me. Because remember it was number one, anger, fear, or judgment. Something in their behavior triggered you into those feelings. And that's why you yelled and screamed or even hit your kid. Just because they were trying to communicate that they're frustrated with their experience, okay? This is a super important strategy to empower a child out of boss baby mindset. Teach them to be empathetic for other people, okay? Now, how can parents motivate a child to try new things outside of their comfort zone? 
Number one, you identify new opportunities to explore the child's favorite interests. Okay, this is easy stuff. We just get them out and try new things. Show them that new things are, and be consistent with it. You can't just do it once in a while. You have to do, identify new opportunities and try them all the time. You know where they are out in the world. Your child doesn't know better, you do. Number two, include new activities into your schedule regularly. Regularly meaning every day. Hey, let's try this new food, or let's try this new chore, or let's go this new place. Every day you can introduce something new that your child doesn't expect, but it's super fun. And every day now they get in the mindset of what will they bring me now? What's next? What cool thing do you have for me to investigate and learn from today? Okay. And then when you get in the habit of doing that, part of that job is to prepare your child with details about the new activities before the event. No surprises. No surprises necessary. Say tomorrow, hey, I have a good idea. Tomorrow we're going to do this. We're going to go ride the train to the park instead of take the car. You know, you just switch things up and try things new. And then together you look at the train schedule and you look at videos of trains and you talk about how you have to buy your ticket or your card or whatever it is. Prepare your child with details. Number four is demonstrate how to play with toys and explore in new ways. We talked about this. If your child doesn't play with toys appropriately, that's because nobody's showing them. There, you're, Maybe your child's experience with toys has only been in therapy where the therapist is like, put the puzzle piece here. There's only one right way to do it the way the therapist is asking or the way the parent is asking or even the way the instructions say on the, you know, we see a picture and the child sets up the farm to look exactly like the picture on the box. Right, because they think that's the only way to play. It's like a puzzle. I have to make these objects look like this. So that's if your child's been stuck in puzzles and puzzle, 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 all the puzzles. They can do puzzles, 25 piece puzzles and all that stuff and you buy them some nice pretend play to expand their language and get into storytelling and all of that. And they wanna make it look like a puzzle. They wanna start to make the pieces fit together or they make it again, look like the picture right? That's a child who doesn't know how to play pretend. They got that puzzle skill down perfect, but they don't know how to make up a story or say a different story or expand the story or relate that story to their own experience. That's because they've been too prompted, right? If all you're doing is asking your child to label things and say words and say, I want blank when you're asking them for those things, then who, if the therapist is doing it and you're doing it, and the nanny's doing it and dad's doing it. Who's having conversation? Who's telling stories? Who's talking about how and demonstrating how to use all those labels in conversation that talks about your opinions about those things or why we use them or what they're for instead of food is for eating and 
you know, water is for drinking and these scripted kinds of things. Instead of when your child is hot and you're like, wow, you're super thirsty. Wow. I think water would be a good idea. Let's go get some water and then we'll get cold water and you can feel better. You won't be so hot if you drink this nice cold water. Let's go get it. I'll stay here with you while you drink it. And then as they're drinking the water, it feels better right you're feeling cool and oh now it's all better you're not so sweaty anymore and your face was all red and now it's not red anymore because you drank this water right it's all about connecting with your child and demonstrating how to interact with these things and explore in new ways maybe your child isn't used to getting their own water at all and you need to show them how do we get water how do we do these things? So number five is keep your expectations low and help your child as much as they need to be comfortable. If they struggle through something, they will quit, okay? You wanna make life feel so easy that they want to join you and try new things because you're always gonna be there to help them and support them and teach them, okay? Now we're into the next strategy where we're going to be talking about how can parents teach the concept of delayed gratification. This is the biggie, the number one thing that is a red flag for this concept of boss baby mindset. And number one is that you have to focus on the child's request. Remember, explain exactly what they want so they know you're not ignoring them, even if you're not going to give it to them. Okay. I'm not saying that you have to give them this thing now, but you do have to focus on what they want. It's super important that you do this because they are focused on what they want, 150,000%. And unless you also focus in the same energy that your child is focused on, that request, 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 that's all that's going on in their brain. And you have to say, ah, you want some water because you're hot. Like I said, you want some, you know, be, you, you want some soda because you like the fizzy. You want to go outside because you want to see your friend. You want to go, you want to go outside because you want to play with your aunties. You want to go next door so you can see your favorite friend. There are reasons, you know, these reasons why your child wants things. Focus on their request first, whether you're going to give it to them or not. Talk all about it. And then if they can't have what they want right now, then you have to show empathy. I know you want to go outside and play with your friend. And I want to go too. I like that experience too. I want to eat ice cream every day. I want to eat the whole box of cookies. I want to do that stuff. Remember we talked about that before about explaining the pros and cons, right? However, it's just not what we're going to do. We can't do it now because we don't have enough money. It's too late. There are always reasons, but you have to say, I know you want it. I know you do. I know you want it. And I want it too, because I, it's a very good thing that you want this feeling, this experience that you want to have. I get it. And it is a bummer. My favorite word, the alternative to a curse word or a child-friendly one is bummer. 
We all have bummers in our life. We can't get what we want. I would like to have a million dollars every day coming into the platform so I can travel the world and tell everybody about this. But it's not happening. I know that I need to keep making videos and keep talking to people and keep encouraging you to prove that I'm valuable resource so that you might invest in watching my videos or buying my book or doing those things. I make the effort. I make the effort to present things that are valuable. That's why you guys watch the videos, I hope anyway, right? So you, what you do then is you demonstrate what you do when you can't get what you want now. What do you do? When you can't get what you want, you look for an alternative. You, if you can't, like, you know, because you have to wait in line and you can't be in the front of the line, what do you do? Do you fidget? Do you snack? Do you reschedule? Do you plan your schedule ahead because you don't want to wait and you call ahead to make appointments and things like that? What do you do when you can't get what you want now? Because we can't always get what we want and you have to share your own strategies. Everybody uses their own compensations for disappointment because that's what your child is feeling. I'm disappointed. I want this thing now and I can't get it. And if you show empathy and then you demonstrate, well, when I can't get what I want, I do this. Or maybe while we're waiting, we could do this, right? And then you make a plan to work toward the goal. So this is a separate idea. So one through three is what happens in the moment when the child has a request and you have to say no. Number four is what you do to prepare your child for these experiences. So you have to make plans to work towards goals where when we, you know, wait some time, we have to wait next week to go on our vacation. We have to save some money. So maybe your child's earning money for chores or whatever, and they're saving their own money to go buy their game or toy or something like that. Maybe they have to complete jobs to earn the money that they're saving to work towards a goal, you see? And maybe they have to wait your turn. So, and these jobs don't have to be household jobs. Maybe they just have to literally, if they want to watch video and you have video every day after lunch and they start asking at 10 a.m. for video. And you're like, well, here's what you got to do. You got to wait till after lunch. And then after lunch, you can have video. So before lunch, we'll have to do some other things. Okay. And you can teach your kids delayed gratification when you make a plan to work toward a goal. And then you give them choices about when they can receive their treats and experiences. So let's say you will allow your child to have soda or candy or video time or going out to play or all the things that they want 24-7. You will put those things into your schedule and have them every day. But maybe they would rather watch video before they go to bed instead of after lunch or they would prefer first thing in the morning or something like that you can give them a choice remember there's only one or two video times a day you can have video time now or you can have it after lunch if you have video time now after lunch we'll take a rest or go out for a walk or read books or something like that because now you're having video time or we can go for a walk read books do all that stuff now and you can have video time later.
give your child those kinds of choices. This is how you empower them to be a partner and still feel like they have control over their experience. This is the whole reason these kids become boss babies is because they don't have any control over their experience. So you give them choices about when they can receive their treats and experiences. You don't have to give them choices about how much. If you only want to give them two cookies a day or 30 minutes a day, that's up to you. You can give choices about when. All right, so now these next two slides are all about when can parents expect kids to assume responsibility for their actions, where you can really ask them to step up and be a team member when it's going to happen when can you expect that it's going to happen on the regular and you're not you're going to be able to stop fighting with your child over these power struggles number one parents habitually explain why they make requests before requesting performance so kids are not blindsided by unreasonable demands okay this is the number one thing and it comes over time you can do this in a couple weeks it doesn't take long we're going to talk about that but this is what's required you must habitually i mean every day all day explain why you make your kid do these things because when you get into that habit you'll stop making unreasonable demands because you'll say well why am i even asking them to do this is this something that you would want to be asked right that's why you explain the why. Number two, you are consistent with boundaries and household rules. I cannot express this enough. The number one reason that kids aren't doing this is these three things. They aren't explaining why they make requests. They're just blindsiding kids and they're not consistent. They're blindsiding them sometimes and other times no. And number three is parents offer empathy and connection to a child who can't get what they want right? Instead of punishment and yelling and my way or the highway, rigid stuff, you start negotiating and help them work through their real feelings of disappointment with plans to move forward, okay? So this is really important here that you, these three things, if you do nothing else in this whole video, which, you know, you will see improvement with all of them. Now, here's what is required. When can you expect it when your kids do this? When your kids understand how following the rules is the best way to get what they want. So there's no more justifications or excuses because this is what your child is doing, you see. They don't want to follow the rules. They may know that the rules and boundaries are there, but because you're inconsistent with enforcing them or reminding them, the child's pushing it. They're going to push the limits and push the limits and push the limits and test them because remember they don't know better than you and it's super important that they develop the mindset to go ah from your experience of keeping to your rules and boundaries they're going to learn you know it's a lot nicer when i follow the rules i get everything we don't fight anymore. Nobody's manhandling me, grabbing my arm, trying to drag me around places or yelling at me. And I don't have to justify, but I want this thing, but I want it and you gave it to me before and I can't have it now. And I need to move and jump and you haven't given me any place to move and jump and I can't go outside. So I'm gonna jump on the furniture, right? This is what your child is thinking, all that justification, all that stuff that they're using excuses as to why they should be entitled to break the rules right so no more when you are consistent 
with these rules, the things that I saw in the last slide, your child will start to follow the rule and they'll start to do it because they see that it makes their life better. Your consistent guidance, it makes their life better. And they like it when you connect with them and empower them and teach them and coach them and connect with them. So they want more of that. They don't wanna be by themselves figuring things out on their own. They want to be with you and they accept these win-win negotiations and the consequences for testing limits because they've been consistently guided. So consequences do not have to be punishment because when you set it ahead, you can have a choice. You can have video time in the morning and we'll read books after lunch or we'll read books now and we'll have video time after lunch. Your choice. So your child chooses video time because they want the video time now. After lunch, you cannot give them the video even if they want and complain about that fact. You have to be firm with it and explain to them, I'm sorry, you accepted this contract. You took the goods. Now you gotta pay up. Let's go read books. And we'll put this video on the charger and wait for later and let your child see it right there. And if they go and get up from the books to go get the charger, you go join them at the charger and say, remember, we're having this tomorrow. Now we don't wanna miss any more video time tomorrow. Remember, we only have one time. And I really have this new exciting book I wanna try with you. But remember, this was our deal. Video time after lunch or in the morning. And you offer the alternative. We're reading books now or reading books then? Because reading books is fun. And I wanna do that with you. I want to teach you all these things, okay? So you got to be consistent so they will be consistent. And they accept these win-win negotiations and consequences. Even though they're sad about it, they'll be sad for a minute because you're going to show them empathy and you're going to give them something good to do. They've been consistently guided through these disappointing experiences and it always ends up with win-win, not you win or I win, but we both win because you've been doing it as parents. Number three, kids feel empowered because they have a choice to participate in their own way without being forced. And this is the key. This is the key. The number one reason that children become boss babies is not because you give them too much. It's because you ask them to do too much without warning, without teaching, without helping, without guidance. And nobody wants to fail a test, right? So if you are giving your child things and judging their behavior without interacting with them, that's what turns kids into being a boss baby, okay? So it's super important that you realize that these are the things that result in you being able to expect that your kids do. Here they are again. One more time for all of you watching. I know people have been popping out and in of the video, but I really want to share again. These are the five strategies that will facilitate the shift from boss baby to responsible learner. And your child will show you their intelligence when you do these things. Earn their trust. 
facilitate their development of empathy, motivate them to try new things, teach the concept of delayed gratification, and expect kids to assume responsibility for their own actions because you are assuming responsibility for your own. Now, what behaviors have you seen that indicate your child has developed a boss baby mindset? Comment below, please, to share your experience. And remember, all of the behaviors your child is showing right now that you are so worried about are intentional communication habits. They mean it when they quote unquote say these messages with their behavior. And these habits are easy to change when you apply the strategies in the video. You do not have to have a boss baby forever. And it doesn't matter how old your child is. Even if your child is older than 10, it is remarkable how quickly parents can shift from a boss baby mindset. Help a child shift. Help them. Because remember, you're not going to make anything happen. But they can shift into a cooperative, loving, considerate, constructive developmental experience. Not just me taking care of you like the little animal that you are. And parents are seeing a significant and lasting shift in behavior within three weeks, everybody. And I even have an example here for you. Here's Megan, who saw massive progress in just three weeks. She says, I want to thank you. I started the workbook. I'm on week three now. I've already started to see so much progress with my child, and so have others. So it's not just this mom who's delusional and in her own, you know, oh yeah, maybe she's the only one that sees it. Other people see it too, which means that she's facilitating speech and social skills. They have him temporarily pulled out of daycare and now don't know if they ever want to send him back, to be honest. I happen to know that this mom's little guy's been suffering from ear infections. He keeps getting from the school. So that could be part of why they don't want to send them back, but they're having so much success at home. There's no need, right? This is the idea. Parents feel like you've got to take your kid to these therapies or you're negligent. You've got to do what the doctor says, or somehow you're doing bad for your child that you're not putting them in daycare. And, but the thing is, if you put them in and they're not successful, and you don't pull them out, that's when I think you're negligent because you're not listening to your child. You're listening to other people, experts, people with their opinion. When you connect with your child, like I showed you how to do in this video here with these strategies, we're teaching your child empathy, just surrounding the things that they want and demand every day. Okay, because they never stop doing that. They've been doing that kind of demanding behavior since they came out of the womb. They've been yelling and crying and doing certain things with their behavior to get you to respond to them from the beginning. It's no different now. They've just become more complicated and complex. And because your child knows you better than anybody, just like you know your child better than anybody, they're using the things that push your buttons. And they'll do it with different people. They'll see how dad's buttons are different than mom's buttons, are different than teacher's buttons, are different than auntie's buttons, are different than care babies, babysitter's buttons. They'll learn each one. They'll even learn different languages positively. If grandma only speaks the home language, they will shift to trying to speak to understand, to communicate with that person because that's what natural spoken language development is. It's not artificial. It's not controlled. 
It's developmental and guidance, okay? So this mom really noticed the difference when her facilitation level is high and her mindset where she's understanding her role as a facilitator and not a teacher or a maid or a, you know, subject of her child's you know, princehood or whatever, because remember, she's empowered her child to share what he wants and get a good response. And it made this mom realize that her outlook and presence is a huge component to his speech. It's not about what she does. It's about her outlook and presence. And that was both hard and important, right? Both hard and important, everybody, to understand. Because this mom knows she wasn't getting anywhere. She wasn't getting anywhere with her little one. And this is what she used. She used the, my workbook, The 11-Week Journey to Shift Behavior into speaking. You can use my workbook to help you structure. And the link to the workbook is in the description of this video. So you can get the same kind of results. You don't have to wait forever. You can work this season. I also have a workshop. You can join my workshop to learn the entire process. And if you want guidance from me, this is the least expensive way, okay? So thanks for watching, everybody. I am truly, truly grateful for your attention and focus. This was a super long video, super long video. And I've got some people who come in. Chandra says, thank you for your video. So nice to see you. Thank you for joining me, Chandra. And Saz, thanks for this one. I know that there are many of you out there who are having these virtual autism symptoms, your child's detached, they're feeling, you know, I don't know, whatever they're feeling. Um, and it's frustrating for you. It's frustrating for them. I, you know, I, I want to do, I did this video and I know that this one is probably triggering. You could be feeling called out. You could be feeling a little guilty, like, oh man, I've been doing all that stuff. I've been so stuck in my worry or fear about the fact that my child was doing normal stuff in those air quotes, normal. And now they're not doing so much of that normal stuff anymore. And the, because they're not doing any of that normal stuff anymore, they're doing stuff that looks abnormal, again, air quotes. You know, people are judging them and they're judging me and they're judging my family and they're judging my experience. And they're telling me my kid is a spoiled brat and um, that there's nothing wrong with my kid. It's just this or this or this. And, you know, all of that noise, is the thing that can keep you from taking the right action. It can keep you, it can disempower you, it can make you feel like only experts can help you at this point. You know, as your child gets older, like I said, I've talked this week, it seems to be that I'm meeting people with older kids, kids who are older than 10, and they're really, really stuck in this, not just virtual autism. And these kids are verbal. They're saying words, but they're not great at communicating. They're not great at sharing their feelings. They're not great at sharing their ideas. Um, even though you can tell they have them, they make choices with the videos they watch. They make choices with the clothes they wear, with the experiences they want to have, with the books and toys and things that they choose to learn from, the video games they play. They're finding connection through these things where they're not with you. And 
That's the biggest problem here. And when you have a child who feels that their connection with their obsession is a stronger bond, like emotional bond they have. I feel depressed when I can't play my video games. I feel depressed when I can't see my friends. I feel depressed. Like it's literally now we're dealing with a child who doesn't want to feel depressed. So now they're going to fight against that depression to be taking by force the things that they want. And remember, this is what's happening to you as a mom or dad. If you are so stuck in your depression and worry and fear of the future or fear of what's going to happen around you or fear of other people judging you or fear of taking your kid to the school or the ball game or the party or the gym or the library because people are going to judge you or and your kid can't behave in those places right because they've adapted this entitlement mindset. The second they go and see a shop there filling the cart, ready to have the meltdown so that you whip out your credit card and pay for everything in. If you try to pull something out of the cart, the meltdown starts immediately, okay? This is the kind of thing that will perpetuate. Kids don't grow out of boss baby mindset. It only becomes more crafty and manipulative as kids get older. And they find the buttons that go straight to your heart, making messes, destroying property that you spent a lot of money on, escaping, making you afraid, harming themselves, okay? When you get kids that are so focused on triggering you into behavior, if they're older than, you know, 10, you need to get professional help for that child and you. It's beyond that level where you have no control over this child. You have to have help from someone to help you connect with that child. I can help you learn how to connect with that child. A clinical psychologist can help you connect with that child. It has to be someone who is all about helping parents learn to have empathy and connection with their child. It's not about strategies and what you do. It is about who you are every day when you're in the experience with this child. That's what helps your child shift from a boss baby, controlling emperor, you know, mindset. And if you're feeling like no more than the maid or the checkbook or the cook or the cleaner, you know what I mean? The, the jailer to try to keep them in the house. You, how many locks can you put on the door? How, where do you have to hide the stuff, right? This isn't gonna help your child develop. And how getting more searching for which locks are impossible for children to open on Amazon is not the way that you're going to train your child out of this mindset and encourage them to be. And just like the mom saw, in the testimonials here, it's you. Because remember, you cannot change your child's behavior, but you can motivate them to change their habits because all behavior is communication. And when you change your communication habits with your late talker, you can see that conversion, all right? Now, if you really wanna dig in, I have done an amazing virtual autism symptoms three-week challenge to change your child's life. I know I keep throwing resources at you because there's no excuse now that you know. It's up to you 
to help your child do this. I want to equip and empower you. I want to give you the support and the strategies you need to make it happen. So that particular series, this virtual autism series is available here on my YouTube channel, but it is a member only perk. So the secret hack for 20% off my first month's YouTube membership, that link is also in the description. And literally for within one month, you can use the strategies in that video, my workbook, the strategies in this video, all these other things to help your child move into the mindset you want. Now, you can share this video out and all of that stuff, but it is only going to be live for free for one week. After a week, it moves into my membership. Why am I doing that? Why am I locking down my videos and making you make an investment? Because I know that when you do, make an investment, you'll watch the videos. If you just bookmark it, you could get busy and do other things. But if you make a small investment, you will return to the learning that you need. I'll keep reminding you of the things that you can change, which is your own behavior and your own mindset and how those things will help keep you going. You can binge watch hours and hours. There are now more than 800 videos on my channel all accessible and curated playlists. So if you're struggling with something, you can go straight to a whole series of videos. If you don't like one, you can watch another. You can watch 20 minutes of one and 20 minutes of this one. You can have access to unlimited training for your child here on my YouTube channel. I've been making it for you. I've been cultivating it over five and a half years. So it's time now for you guys to take action and help your child make the shift. Go ahead, if you're watching on the replay, comment on this video, say hi, and let me know how you're feeling. Do you have a boss baby? Can you do it? Have you already made the shift for your child? Have they switched from being a boss baby where they won't listen at all, won't make eye contact at all, won't comply, take everything from you, use you like a stepladder, to now they're you're stuck by your hip. They're helping you with the laundry. They're helping you cook. They're cooking for you. They're doing things for you. They're becoming a member of of your household where everybody's cooperative and they're even teaching the younger kids that they see. This is what we're going for here, ladies and gentlemen. And your child doesn't need perfect speech to move into that mindset. You can get it in weeks. And as you develop, you can develop your child's mindset to teach them how to be empowered. Because think about it. If you've ever solved a big problem for yourself in your life, once you solve that problem, you become empowered. As a matter of fact, when I was a little girl, I went to speech therapy. I used to have a big list like this and you with my tongue sticking out and you could hardly understand. I, my name was Marcy. I had all that stuff going on and I went to speech therapy and she, my speech therapist, Jacqueline, I still remember her name, even though it was literally feel like a hundred years ago, that kind of support stuck with me. When she enabled me, empowered me to change my speech so that I wouldn't be made fun of anymore, that people were like, you're sticking your tongue out and then, and then, and then you sound like, you know, 
and the Brady Bunch was on, I sounded like Cindy Brady. I mean, all of that stuff. I used to get picked on about my speech, even though it wasn't virtual autism and all that stuff back then. And I really remembered how caring and loving and empowering that speech therapist was, so much so that I became a speech therapist, right? If you teach your child to ride a bike, if you teach your child to make the rice in the rice cooker, or use the you know, whatever, vacuum cleaner or get the mail or the washing machine or any of those things. And that's the start of empowering them to be a contributor in your household where there is no boss. We all work together. It takes a village when everybody in the village does their role. The whole village runs smoothly and everybody's happier. And that's what I want for you, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to do that. So I know this video is super long, one of the longest ones, um, but I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to break it up. I wanted to put it all together. Maybe you'll have to come back and watch it again. You put it on while you wash your dishes or doing things around the house. But I just wanted to remind you how impactful you are regarding your child's mindset. And it all starts with your own mindset. And if you want to know how to fix all of that, I've got resources for you all across my platform, wavesofcommunication.com. With a whole range of Waves of Communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.